Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. And uh, my guest today is somebody who has been in church leadership for over 20 years. Uh, he has been a part of one of the very first multi-site churches in North America, helping kind of establish and launch multi-site uh, at the Meeting House in Toronto. He has gone on to work at churches like Connexus Community Church in Ontario, uh, home of Carrie Newhoff, you may be familiar with. He served at Liquid Church uh, in New Jersey and uh, has just been a part of a number of remarkable organizations doing some amazing things, particularly in multi-site. But when you talk multi-site church leadership, there's a whole lot of other things going on behind the scenes. And so today you're going to enjoy hearing from Rich Birch. Rich is one of those leaders that often sits in a second chair. And uh, I love talking to these leaders. You guys know this probably because I served as a second chair leader for a good portion of my career so far. And second chair leaders are often the ones behind the scenes really helping organizations succeed. And a lot of times we hear from the first chair leaders, Rich really sits kind of in a first chair and served in second chair roles. And so he's got some great insight, both for ministry context, but just for leaders in general. And so, Rich, welcome to the show. We're so glad you're here today. Oh, Jenny, I am so glad to be on your show, cheering for you from afar. I always love uh, watching what you're up to. You're a fantastic leader, so I love that we get a chance to connect a little bit today. Awesome. Thank you. It's fun to reverse roles, right? Because you're usually <laughs> the podcast host, and uh, you, get to be, you get to be the guest today. I know. Pressure is on. I can't just <laughs> stop talking at the end of a sentence. I have to, like, say things. So right? I, I'm glad to be here today for sure. It's so good. Hey, fill in the gaps. I gave a little bit of your bio, but uh, give our listeners a little bit more insight on, you know, your history, the roles you're serving and playing right now. Give us a little more picture of who you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah, I've been involved in church leadership since the mid 90s. And, uh, you know, really, my passion over that whole time has really been around this core question around how do we reach more people with the message of Jesus? Like, I, mm. I, that has really been kind of the thing I've been worrying about all this time. Like, I, I remember way back, and this goes way back when I was like in, you know, seminary ministry training stuff. Uh, I, I remember asking a professor, I said, you know, I'm confused by what's going on at Revival. Is, is it that uh, you know, God loved the people at that time in that place more than in other times and other places, and he seemed to reach more people? Or uh, was it that, you know, the folks, the people that led at that point, they kind of had unlocked some sort of magic and understood how to communicate in a way that is different than most leaders, and, and therefore, you know, the kind of the message went forth. Obviously, both of those are are kind of unsatisfactory answers for different reasons. And really this whole time I've thought a lot about how do we reach people? And yeah, as you said, I've had an opportunity to, um, to be in that kind of lead team, second chair, you know, support to some incredible lead pastors over the years at three, yeah. you know, amazing churches and have really counted that as a, a privilege. I, you know, multiple times over the years, I've sat back and thought, you know, I've got a chance to do and be involved in things that lots of ministry leaders would say, like, they only get a chance to do once. Uh, I've got a chance to do it multiple times. And so I don't yeah. count that as, uh, I don't take that for, for granted. It really has been, you know, just an amazing journey. And so, yeah, happy to be in, you know, happy to be here, you know, have had, like we talked about in that kind of second chair, have been typically on the kind of communications, kind of ministry support, service programming, campus expansion, that side of, of what we do um, mm -hmm. in the kind of traditional executive pastor role. It's probably more on the kind of ministry side rather than the operation side, although I've had lots of opportunity on the kind of business 
side of what we do, but have typically we've had like a CFO person that's actually run that, that part of what we've done. So yeah, yeah. So, so happy, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Great. So good. I love how you led with that. I'm just going to tease this out a little bit, but you said, you know, kind of behind it all was just how do we reach more people with the message of Jesus? And I love that you kind of hinted towards, there's just a core purpose that you have as a leader that, mm. you know, wherever God places you, whatever seat or role that you're in organization, you're serving, there's kind of this underlying sense of purpose. And it's not so much about a role or an identity as a passion of permission. And mm. so I just want to note that because a lot of times when I'm working with leaders, that's something we kind of skip over. We might've started with that, but we lose sight of it once mm. we get in, placed into kind of a role of responsibility that we, at least for me, I can tend to put my identity in a specific role or responsibility. And I just love that you led with this core sense of like purpose that's anchored in just this heart to see more people know Jesus. And, uh, and well, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that. Cause I, I really do. That is the way I think, like I, I love um, it. one of the thing that's weird, and I know that not everybody listens into this podcast is a ministry leader. So just stick with us for a second, because we'll actually connect this to a broader context. But one of the interesting things about the church world is for lack of what you call it, the industry, this community, this thing that we're a part of leading, you know, 94% of all churches in our country are in, are not only just in decline, but they're losing ground against the growth of the communities they're in. Now, just mm -hmm. think about that for a minute. Like the more encouraging statistic is that 80% of churches are plateaued or in decline, but actually it's way worse than that because more than, you know, so there's only 20% of churches are actually growing, but actually the majority of churches that are growing are growing slower than the communities they're in. So that means, oh, yeah. you know, if, if we were, you know, if we were a business, we would say, you know, same store sales are down across 94% of our locations. It would be a very bad thing. And so, yes. You know, I, I've been, have worried about that. Obviously, I worry about that at the kind of the biggest of cosmic questions point of view. Like, how is it that we're a part of something where, you know, less people are kind of being impacted by the message of Christ today than when I started, you know, in ministry? That, that to me is a huge issue. I think it also, from a leadership point of view, also is kind of a unique um, challenge that, you know, to say, hey, I'm going to be a part of an industry where kind of things are a little bit in decline, but, yeah. but uniquely have had a chance to be a part of, um, you know, a segment of the of the church world that is actually seeing an impact and seeing growth mm. um, and, and legitimate growth, not just kind of moving, you know, you know, chairs around on the Titanic, seeing actual people who, you know, who unchurched folks who don't normally find themselves in church coming, getting connected with Jesus and ultimately, you know, being, you know, end up becoming fully devoted followers of Christ, which I find from a leadership point of view is super unique because I think there are a lot of industries and a lot of, you know, kind of sectors of the leadership world that are in decline. Yeah. And, and how do we lead in that environment, I think is a fascinating, uh, you know, fascinating question. I, I, I love that you go there because it's such a hint of how you think, which I really appreciate this about you because you do have that kind of by nature, you're, you're an entrepreneur and you're quick to identify and be aware of what's shifting in culture. And uh, so I like kind of, kind of go a little further with that. Like, what do you see on the horizon that we need to be paying attention to as leaders, maybe both in the church, outside the church? Because I think we really are in an era where everything is shifting and changing so rapidly that I think it's, it's, it's unsettling for leaders everywhere. I mean, you threw out all the stats of like what the church is kind of navigating in, in market share, so to speak, right? Like we're losing ground significantly. But I think there's, like you said, a lot of leaders in a lot of contexts that are navigating a similar dynamic because there's such a, there's a speed of change that is quite different from any of 
you know, the generations before us. So can you speak to that, some of what you see and what we need to be paying attention to? Yeah, so I think broadly, um, we all are being impacted. Every industry is being impacted in some way by digital communication, like just even what we're doing here now. You know, it's not that long ago that this was a very strange thing. This idea that you and I, sure. you know, I'm on the road doing coaching, you're at home. Um, you know, we're, we're connecting online. We had like a legitimate conversation before we got started. We're recording and we're somehow through yeah. the use of technology, helping people. And you know, my joke about podcasts in general is like my mom listens to podcasts now. And so I know that <laughs> podcasts have somewhere jumped the shark and it's like now mainstream, but we all, and this is just one example, you know, all of our industries are being impacted by digital media in one way or another, right there. Yeah. You know, Amazon is remaking the retail landscape, you know, you know, Airbnb, B&B is remaking, you know, the hotel industry, you know, we all, and we all know those, those are all examples of those. And so the, I've been intrigued recently by how our organizations really merging in person um, connection, real world connections, and these kind of enhanced, you know, digital connections. And, and actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Walt Disney Company. If people have followed me for a while know that I, I sometimes will ultimately just refer everything back to what Disney does. But I don't know if you're on the, the if you kind of follow what's happening over there, they're at, at Disneyland and Disney World, they're launching a brand new uh, kind of area land, a Star Wars land called Galaxy's Edge. Now, this is a fast fascinating investment for them. It's they're literally their largest North America based uh, expansion ever, you know, like they've wow. never, uh, since they've opened uh, any park, they've, this is like the most money they've ever spent in a single season on, you know, expansion. And when you lean into what's happening there, it's fascinating because what they're doing is it, it, they're saying there is something about, they're making a significant bet. There's something about moving beyond the digital experience and actually pulling people together to have a, a, an experience together. There's something about not just seeing, you know, the Millennium Falcon in, you know, movies or seeing it on your phone, but mm -hmm. actually this idea of standing in the shadow of the Millennium Falcon uh, is a kind of gathering experience, which I, I think we have to think about carefully as church leaders. Because I think yeah. we, there are times where, um, you know, it's, it's really, and listen, I've been involved in Church Online since, you know, 10 years ago, 2009. And sure. I'm a fan of Church Online. I, I think, and obviously I'm like into digital media and I like use a lot of online stuff. I, I think it's really important. But I do think from a church point of view, there's something about the gathered experience of the body of Christ. That there's something about actually getting people together that's important. And I don't want us to give up that ground. I don't want us yeah. to give up the like, yeah. well, you know what, like somehow people just listening on podcasts are, are the same as someone attending a service. That's just not true. Right. Like that's for a whole bunch of reasons. It's not just not true. And so, you know, and, and, and so then to push the Disney thing a little bit further, the, the kind of rumors now it hasn't opened yet. It opens in May, May 28th. Not that I'm tracking May 28th <laughs> yes. in, uh, in Disneyland. Can we assume uh, you're going to be there? You better believe it. It's so funny. I, and again, people are listening may tune me out at this point, but we've I been waiting it. as a family. We've been waiting for like when we're going to go. And I've been holding off saying, listen, I don't want to go until, uh, until the new Star Wars stuff is open. Like we really should um, wait until then. And so yeah. literally it was, I think a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, and they had been rumored that it was, that the Disney world version, which is the version we're going to, um, wasn't going to open until the end of uh, the year, like December. Oh, I was like, Oh, that's a bummer. And so, and yeah. with my kids are in university now, and so that really wouldn't work. And so, um, for us to go then. And so I, um, but the day they announced, they actually announced, I think it's the 24th of August. Uh, they announced that they're going to open on that 
day. And so literally that night, I like group texted my family, we are booking tonight. And so we booked a time for, you know, for October, which is great. Uh, but again, it. the interesting thing about that experience is it, what the kind of rumors are out there about it is that there are, so there's actually only two attractions. There's actually only two rides, quote unquote, uh -huh. in the experience. And we don't get into the geek off all about what they are, but they sound amazing. But, um, but you know, what they're saying is actually the third ride or the third attraction is actually this app that they've developed. Because uh -huh. when you actually enter the land, so when you fit, and it's called the Disney Play app, you guys should get it on your phone today. When you enter the land, somehow the app is going to transform. It's not clear what's going to happen. And actually, you're going to pick the dark side or the light side and actually engage in the story. So oh, wow. what, what you do within the land is going to be reflected on the, so actually, when you fly the Millennium Falcon, you won't crash it, but let's say you do a bad job flying it, that will be um, registered in the app. And then actually, as you interact with real world people, like, so let's say you're walking out of the queue and you'll interact with somebody who's, um, you know, at a shop or whatever, they're going to, and I'm not sure how, but yeah. somehow they're going to know about your results. Oh my and gosh. Based yeah. on the fact that you have this app and based on your, you know, the kind of the, your digital location and will actually real world interact with you based on what has happened in this virtual space. Now that's amazing. Don't, yeah. Don't miss what's happening there. There's this some interesting kind of merging of kind of real world experience with digital mm -hmm. technology together. Yes. And, and I think we've got a, we've in the church world that kind of thing, the church equivalent of us is, you know, we've got to figure out how to do both of those. And I, and I think there's a, a yeah. number of yeah. ministries that are leading the way. Actually, I don't see a lot of churches leading the way. There's a number of, um, you know, the If Gathering, I think, does an incredible job with this, yeah. where yeah. If Gathering is is a collection of um, online experiences, of books, of kind of courses, of, you know, apps, all of that. But then it's also an in-person conference and these yes. regional small group experiences. It's, it's kind of both and together. It's not yeah. like just a digital experience. It's actually physical which I think we've got to think a lot about. I think, and I think, how does that apply to broader businesses? I think we all need to be thinking about that. We, we all yeah. need to be wrestling through how are we merging technology and kind of this digital communication thing with, uh, with what we're doing in the real world. Oh, that's so good. And, you know, I think, I mean, as you're talking about all of that, first, it sounds super exciting and I'm not even like way geeked out about that kind of stuff, but I'm like, okay, I kind of want to go. I want to check this out. Um, well, and they, so I let it, and again, sorry to, you can cut this if you're not interested, but the no, interesting thing, they're, they're predicting, so I was out a couple weeks ago, so I'm name dropping now with Mel McGowan at Disneyland. Let me pick that name up off before I put that back in my pocket. Mel, for folks that don't <laughs> Mel's know, fantastic. He's a fantastic guy. He was a Disney Imagineer for years and I hadn't been to Disneyland in years and I ended up, so I spent some time with him there, which was great. And I'm, I was like, oh, it's obviously the Star Wars stuff looks amazing, you know, from what you can see. But uh, there's all this other renovation going on. And I said, what's that about? Because he obviously has some connections in that world. Sure. And he said, yeah, it's interesting. They're, they're literally carving out across the entire park, like, we're going to make this sidewalk two feet wider because we know if we make it two feet wider, we'll be able to get a few more people in. Um, and they're literally doing that throughout the entire park. I read a story that wow. reported that for folks that know Disneyland, they think on the opening weekend, the lines to get into um, Galaxy's Edge, just the name of the land, uh, Galaxy's Edge, are going to not only go all the way to the park exit, but actually back out through uh, downtown Disney and out to Harbor Ave. They're actually concerned they may have to close the road. Oh and that's just gosh. people standing in line like they're talking you know tens of thousands of people and and again to have a real world experience um which yeah. so I, yeah. I think we can't miss that we can't yeah. uh, we, people are still intrigued interested to have some sort of real world experience yeah that's so good and you know as you were sharing all of that 
my mind is going to the dynamic of we almost feel this polarization. We either want to like, you know, really embrace all the digital stuff or we, you know, we see some of the, you know, unhealthy things that maybe, you know, being too fixated on that can produce. And so we want to just, you know, run away from it. And the reality is it's not going away. And so there are people like Disney and organizations like Disney that are on the front edge going, it's a both and, and gosh, I think as believers, as Christians, whether in the church or not, like looking at that and going, what does that mean for the work we're doing in, in, in blending both of these? Uh, because people do want that experience. They do still want to be together. So I think there's just a number of things and I'd love, you know, you guys to email us in and let us know what are like, what are you contemplating as you hear that? I, it reminds me of, I once heard Seth Godin, uh, talk about, you know, the change. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, people, you know, people love change. They just don't love change being done to them. Or, you know, there's all kinds of different quotes about that. But one of the things he said that stuck with me is he said, it's not that people don't, uh, don't like change. It's that change pushes them to a place of incompetence for a season. Mm. And so we avoid change because we feel incompetent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that makes sense. Like all of us are going, okay, I don't quite know what to do with all the digital stuff that's happening. Uh, And, you know, and so I, you know, so we just resist because I don't feel competent knowing what to do with it. Mm -hmm. And that knowledge, and I'm constantly like challenging myself with that knowledge of going, okay, wait, am I resisting something new, some new technology and kind of being dismissive just Mm -hmm. because I don't feel comfortable (laughs) Right. right? Yes. Yep. Totally. And so there's a whole thing there that I just love that you brought up that example because I think it's a great it's a great just point of awareness to say, hey, the you know the leaders in the marketplace are on the edge of knowing how to merge these things, and I think we need to be paying a lot of attention to that. So good. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me jump over to we talked earlier. You know that you have often sat in second chair type roles. You actually right now are sitting in a first chair, uh, both yeah. for. Uh, you know, there's an organization that you're, that you lead and then Unseminary, which is the company that you founded. So you, you've really kind of done both. Can you speak to that dynamic of the differences in being like kind of the first chair leader versus the second chair leader and how maybe that has expanded your perspective as a leader? Because I think there's just nuances to those that are really valuable to kind of process. Oh, great question. So yeah, for folks that that aren't aware, I two years ago, uh, we moved back to Canada. So I lived in New Jersey for years, we moved back to Canada to um, help lead or run. I'm it's true, I'm the executive director of a, a children's Christian camp, which seems very strange. Like why? What is this guy it. doing running a camp? And you know, this camp uh, was foundational to my leadership. It was really the first place that gave me um, leadership wings when I was in my, you know, kind of late teens, early 20s, and was hugely influential on my development. And, and so, you know, through a series of events, I've ended up back there and, and leading and it in some ways feels like coming home. But it's interesting, because it's, uh, I'm a little bit of an outsider insider there, because yeah. I was, I've been out of it long enough. Uh, but because I people remember me from being around, I, I get some of the benefits of being a person that's been around for a long time, which is interesting. But so I would say the difference. So I, you know, I think probably, in, again, someone has said it, it might have even been Seth Godin said, you know, 60, 70% of leadership is transferable, right? That mm. a lot of leadership, you know, regardless of whether you're in the, you know, kind of the second seat or in a lead team seat or, you know, the lead person, you, you know, I have felt the weight of the leadership of 
you know, large growing churches that's like, oh my goodness, there is, you know, there is a, um, you know, it takes a lot to make all that happen. You're trying to manage the team. You're trying to figure out what are you doing with revenue. You're trying to figure out, okay, how are we, you know, what's the future look like, all that. Now there is a, there's a tangible difference in the weight that the person who actually is the point person feels in that, you know, there's very few other people you can blame, <laughs> you know, right, are, right, you know exactly. tongue in cheek that, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, and the joke I make internally, you know, when I introduce people, because I think, and I think we all have to do this when we lead an organization, a part of people give you way too much credit for what's going on. And so, you know, I always say, cause, and we've experienced some really great growth over the last couple of years. There's parts of what we're doing are up like 40% in the last two years, which is amazing. Um, and people are like, wow, that's great. And I'm like, yeah, like we have a really great team. And I, I do think, you know, in that lead chair, a part of what you do is take responsibility for all the problems and you deflect the, you know, credit to other people. And that's very true. Like I look around at the things that we have to improve and I'm like, the reason why we haven't improved those yet is because I haven't leaned in on them hard enough and I've got to work to try to figure out what we can do to, you know, improve that that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the other, the other piece of the puzzle, I would say the difference has been between kind of sitting in the lead chair and then in, you know, in a, in a second seat is, you know, in the second seat, I really have felt like um, I, you live at the intersection of vision and reality. You live in this uh, yeah. world of saying, okay, what is the vision that we're trying to, you know, and, and it, there's more listening that happens in that, that seat. I've always felt that a part of my job as an executive pastor in that seat, a part of my job is to listen carefully and to translate the lead person's vision. Partly yeah. because I think in the church world, there's, there's this weird thing where there's like, it seems to be this weird dichotomy. There's either like total sycophant leadership that it's like, well, whatever you say, great leader, we'll do it for you. Or there's like the long, the night of the long knives, like where there are people who are just trying to subterfuge, uh, you know, the core leader. And I, I and I don't, I don't want to be either of those. I want to be the kind sure. of leader that says, "Hey, where, where do you think God's taking us?" I want to listen to that and then try to support that where I can. And a part of that support is at times saying, "Like, hey, I think maybe we need to massage uh, some of that." There obviously is a difference when you're in that lead seat where. You, people are looking to you and thinking, Hey, where do you think we need to go? Now I've dodged that bullet in the first couple of years here, which has been fun in that <laughs> uh, before I, the, our organization has been around a long time. This is our 73rd year. It, it is, Amazing. it has a different feel. Um, that probably is probably one of the biggest differences in the feel in that, you know, it, it preceded me and I yeah. won't be the last person in this seat yeah. where it has felt like in the churches I've been in, although not all of them were startups, they've had that kind of startup feel like we yeah. celebrated our fifth anniversary and it felt like we've been around for a long time. Like, yes. you know, where, you know, when something's been, you know, we're, we're working on our 75th anniversary and we're making, you know, we're making building decisions. We're doing stuff now that I'm saying, listen, folks, this stuff needs to last till our hundredth anniversary. I won't be around then. I won't be leading this thing at our hundredth mm-hmm. anniversary. That has a very different feel to it because it does have this kind of stewardship feel. And actually before I started our, our board and kind of leadership, they went through a revisioning process and um, repositioned kind of the mission of the organization. And so part of what's been great is I've been able to be in a very similar spot where I've just said, well, we're actually going to do that. Like, let's actually just figure out, we've all collectively agreed that this is our renewed vision. It was a little bit of one of those scenarios where we talked about the new vision and then we put it on the wall and said wow that's our vision and that didn't really change much of what we've done mm-hmm. and so all I've really been able to do is say well that's our that's what we said our vision was um our mission let's 
push everything towards that. And so in some ways, uh, it has felt similar in that I haven't really had to come up with new vision mission stuff yet. Eventually, eventually we'll end up in that spot. But, you know, in in the same way as supporting and it does have a, again, with such a long stewardship, there is a part of that where it, it, it has a little bit of a different feel than kind of an entrepreneurial startup for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even that, I mean, we could unpack that because there's all, you know, I mean, which you did kind of speak to that. There's just those nuances and even understanding the context, right. Of like, what does this role require of me? And uh, you know, so even going into the camp, which by the way, uh, I had the privilege of going up last summer and yeah, we loved having you. Know, you. Oh, it was so much fun. But I mean, you guys, that it's beautiful, and the the work that Rich is doing up at this camp and with these kids is just phenomenal. So I, you know, I I love that it's kind of like a, a unique role for you. I love that it's a you know place where some of your early leaderships was shaped, and then now you're being able to invest back into that. But you do, you, I mean, you've, you've sat in some unique seats, and then you founded Unseminary. So give everybody a little bit of the context of Unseminary, because that's, that's been more of your entrepreneurial venture too, right? Yeah, absolutely. So Unseminary is a, a website where we talk about the stuff uh, you wish they taught in seminary. So one of the things, uh, one of my convictions has been that as a church leader, um, you know, there are things that hold back churches that are, are typically not actually the stuff they try to teach in seminary. They're the kind of, whether it's communications or, you know, operation stuff. And, and so I'm trying to shed a light on, hey, what are some things that your church can do practically uh, that could make a difference that could help you prevail more? It gets back to that 94% number that I talked about yeah. earlier. 94% yep. of all churches are losing ground against the growth of, you know, the, the communities that they're in. And so really at on seminary, we provide resources resources to help churches not just survive, but thrive, you know, reaching your, we're really trying to help churches reach more people in a more effective manner. And that, you know, we say that stuff they didn't teach in seminary. And so, um, unfortunately, so it's, it's a, it's blog posts and podcasts We're 300 and some odd episodes. And I stopped counting at 300. So 300 <laughs> some odd episodes in, um, and, uh, you know, I don't know, I, I, you know, we're probably pushing a thousand articles and we do like a quarterly magazine. We have online courses, we have yeah. a couple of books and it, you know, it started by, by accident. It was, I, it was literally just, it was a classic kind of, this is a place I was trying to gather my thoughts. And I really do, I, I, when I was, I often look back and think if my high school English teachers knew that I wrote, you know, thousands of words a week, they would probably <laughs> turn over and die. Um, <laughs> I love and it. I was yep. not great at that by any means. And so, but I actually have found, well, like I think a lot of leaders have found that actually the, the, the task of sitting down and writing actually clarifies your thinking in a, in a very unique way. So true. So, so it really started as, Hey, this is a way for me to kind of, it's a little bit of scratch your own itch, find that, you know, solve the problem that you have, which is yeah. how do I clarify what's happening. Um, and then, you know, that ended up kind of trickling out into a, a podcast, which again, I, I can talk about church all day long and love learning from church leaders and, and find the church fascinating as a, as an organization, as a mission. And so I love listening to and talking to church leaders. And so we started that as um, really a chance for me just to talk to church leaders. And that has, you know, like it's flourished and, you know, every week of thousands of people that listen, which seems crazy to me. Um, And yeah, I love it. It's, 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 uh, it's definitely a passion project. And, you know, at the same time, an actual organization too, which with like people that work for it and all that, which seems crazy, you know, that Mm -hmm. that can happen. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, really enjoy it. It's, it's a great thing for sure. Awesome. Well, and I think, again, I think you also represent 
where a lot of leaders find themselves these days in that, you know, you have your primary role, you know, as executive director of the camp, you run on seminary, you're coaching and consulting, you know, churches across the country. I mean, this is so much more of our reality these days is being able to kind of juggle, you know, all these different roles and responsibilities, which by the way, I also need to mention that your latest book is church growth flywheel, five practical systems to drive growth at your church. And uh, that resource has been a phenomenal resource resource for church leaders. I've heard from a number of people. So um, we'll make sure we connect to that in the show notes. And y'all need to go like just, you know, look for it on Amazon and pick it up because it's a great resource for uh, churches that really want to understand what will it take to drive growth. And you've heard Rich talk about like just the the stats of what is happening in the local church. So you know you're going to get some really great resource, great ideas and tools in that book to help you with that. Rich, to wrap us up, this has been so good, and I would love to keep you even longer, but um, a couple of my fun things. Uh, tea or coffee? You're, you're Canadian, so I'm really curious about your response to this one. Uh, so I would say iced coffee. Iced coffee. Okay. Uh, if you had to push me to tea or coffee, I probably would say tea, but I would say iced coffee. I, I that, love That it. one trumps it all, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the speed of getting caffeine in the system from iced coffee is just... <laughs> It's bad. In the summertime, we talk about the summer camp. So yeah. <clears throat> one of the things we did last summer was um, I was doing like kind of iced coffee this summer before, but we were doing it like small scale. I actually got, we bought like a, it's literally the same iced coffee system that, that Starbucks uses. Oh and we, we were doling it out like crack to our young leaders because it's, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and well, people. Camp schedules are insanity. Like I yes. have a ton of admiration for you and your wife navigating camp like you know schedules at this stage of life because I it's think crazy. we're close to the same age and I'm like yeah Ooh. it's true well we're in that I'm in that weird spot where I'm not a young leader anymore but I'm not an old leader I'm just yes. a leader. and yeah. yeah I agree and we live right on property in the summertime which is I would say we look at it as a benefit like wow, oh I love it yeah we live, we live right there but it's true it, you kind of from the end of June till you know, Labor Day, you're basically just going all day long, which, which again, I don't, people are always like, what's it like to work so much? I'm like, it doesn't really feel like work. Like a lot of it is just yeah. hanging out and um, talking to people. And, you know, I started early on, I started in student yeah. ministry. And so it always feels fun to reconnect with so many students. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. Last question for you. What's yep. your favorite tool to keep you focused and organized? Oh, that's a great question. So I would say uh, outside of flights, I find that there's something weird that happens when you fly. Like last night, I banged out like thousands of words when I was flying, which was crazy. Oh, it's so good. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, to be honest, I have found as again, this could be as I get older, the the ritual of like, I now have like an office with like, uh, where I close the door. And like, as much as I love being mobile and kind of being everywhere. um, My wife got me this like actual desk, um, which is like really nice. Um, There's something about the physical space of like, this is the space that I work in, like, and I think particularly when you're, you know, whether it's your own business, or whether you're, you know, you're self motivated, I, I think, uh, again, it could be a baby in bathwater thing. I think when we the pendulum sw- swung towards we're all kind of working remote, is the idea of like working in your pajamas sounds great until you do it for a while and then you realize actually this is mm-hmm. not great. This is not good. And mm-hmm. so actually, you know, providing a physical space where I can close the door. Uh, you know, my my dog is in there, which is fine. But um, <laughs> right? outside of that, yeah, there's something about that kind of. So it's not really an app or you know. Uh, no, I love it though. Yeah. Whatever. 
it's you know, pra- it's a, practical, a physical space that you kind of, in any way that you can set that aside. I had that in, in New Jersey as well, but we kind of, when we made the move two years ago, um, you know, my wife graciously was like, I think we should actually like, let's actually invest in that. And actually, which has been, yeah. it's definitely paid dividends for sure. Hey, I like, I, my husband laughs at me because when we bought our place in Wisconsin almost two years ago, it, it has three stories. And so the third floor is we have a meeting space for foresight. And so I can do co- you know, some of our coaching groups and our consulting on site for, you know, for regional uh, uh, clients. But my office is on the third floor and my husband laughs at me because I literally like get up in the morning, you know, work out, have my tea and breakfast, you know, get ready. And I grab my bag and I come up to the third floor, like, like I'm going to work. And yes, he is like, yeah, yeah. You really are going to work. And I was like, I am going to work because yeah. there's something about mentally helping your brain shift to know, yep, I'm going, I'm going to work now. And I come yeah. up to my office and we did the same thing. We bought, you know, desks and tried to, I still have some, I still need to settle in a little bit more to it, but it's like uh, that physical space is a big deal. And, yeah. um, uh, I recently read, I don't know if you've read this book, but, uh, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. Yes, it rocked my world because I mean, as much as like all of the flexibility that technology has created, we also have like, like it has also diminished our ability to kind of focus when we need to focus. And again, Mm -hmm. he's not making an argument for you need to give up all of it, but you just need to know how to use those tools and you need to know how to still do deep work. Like you Mm -hmm. said, sitting on the airplane and being able to pound out a couple thousand words, like, Mm -hmm. you know, that it takes some discipline. It takes some focus. So I love that. So good. Awesome. Rich, thank you so much for being on. So great to spend some time and just kind of hear a little bit more from you. Tell us how to stay connected. What's the best way to stay connected with you? Well, you graciously offered, you know, kind of plugged the book earlier and I actually don't want people to buy the book. What I'd love to do is actually give them uh, a free copy of the first chapter of the book, if that's okay. Awesome. We'd love that. Send them to churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash Jenny. They will uh, be able to get the first, you know, so you can actually read and here's a little bit of a dirty secret is basically the entire book is in the first chapter and then the rest of the book just explains it. And so you really are getting the core of the book. We'd love to give that to people who are, are are, uh, listening in today. Yeah, um, thank you. So, yeah, so that's just churchgrowthflywheel.com forward slash Jenny. I uh, would love for people to pick that up. Awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll make sure we connect to on seminary, where to follow you on social and all that fun stuff too. So Rich, so thank you so much. It was so great to spend some time with you. Just so appreciative of all the work you've done and the leader that you are. So keep leading well, my friend. Thanks so much, Jenny. Love you. Cheering for you. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions, please email Jenny at podcast at get4site.com. If this content has helped you in any way, we would love for you to share this podcast with your friends and on social networks. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing content coming from the Jenny Catron Leadership Podcast. Your comments mean the world to us, so please rate and leave comments on our podcast. And remember, you need foresight for success. We will see you next time.